Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode. For additional details, must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com/slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God, the world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Tuesday edition of New York, New York. I'm getting scolded, by the way, by the people in this hotel. What a disgrace. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, we got a loaded show for you. Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants. Rex Ryan, the former head coach of the New York Jets. How about Robert Sala? What an embarrassing commentary from 24, 48 hours ago. So we got you covered on that. And we'll have a same game parlay for tomorrow's Yankee Red Sox game. Loaded, loaded show. The quarterback of the Giants, Rex Ryan. One pod, let's go. So the New York Giants are 1-0. That's as good a week one win as you could have. We welcome in the quarterback 
of the New York football giants. I hope he has a little extra pep in his step these last few days. Daniel Jones, what's up, buddy? What's going on, JJ? How we doing? Daniel, I'm doing well, and I know you guys got to be flying high after that win. You've been an NFL starter now for the last couple of years. Would you say that ranks towards the top of your list as favorite moments of being a starting quarterback? Uh, it's definitely up there. Definitely up there. Um, you know, to come out week one against a good team, um, reigning AFC number one seed, and and to uh, play like we did, get a win on the road was was big time for us. And you know, wasn't wasn't perfect by any stretch, but we found a way to win down there at the end and, and made enough plays to come out on top. So big time win for us. It was a lot of fun celebrating in the locker room. It, it sure seemed like it was a lot of fun. Your coach can dance, by the way. Did you know he had that in him? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know about dance moves. I mean, he, he knows all the songs. And he's he's uh, hip with all that stuff. But the dance moves, I think he's got to work on a couple of those. Wow, I like it. I like it. Okay, so you guys are down thirteen nothing in this game at halftime, and you're not generating success on third down. You guys aren't putting up points on the board. Was there a message, Daniel, that you heard from the coaching staff, or that you guys were stressing going into the locker room because the team that we saw in the second half looked like a very different team than the one we saw in the first half. Yeah, I think the message overall was just to stay poised. Um, you know, we hadn't done what we wanted to do, especially on offense. I thought the defense played great in the first half, but offensively we weren't executing some simple situations that we knew we could, and it wasn't anything they were doing. You know, they're a great defense, and, and they do a lot of stuff that challenges the offense, but a lot of the issues we were having were self-inflicted and things we just weren't weren't executing sharply things we you know knew we could do well so it was about staying poised kind of at that point and making sure we cleaned up a couple of those things and knowing that you know if we did that and you know when we did that it would open up for us and things would would uh get a little easier so they did and I think that was kind of coach Dayball's message was was keep that poise um you know we're not we're not panicking we're not in trouble all we got to do is clean up a couple of things and we'll be you know right back in the game and that's what we were able to do. I think it made a difference. So I'm watching a game, Daniel, with a bunch of giant fans. We're in the compound. You guys are on the big screen, and they're screaming for big plays. These guys got so excited when you hit Sterling Shepard down the field and Saquon's busting loose 50 and 60-yard runs. Talk me through your quarterback. You see Shep open down the seam. Do your eyes, like, light up, say, man, like, I can't wait to hit on this big play because, like, watching it develop – after the fact, I see the ball in the air. I'm like, shit, he's got him, man. That's a touchdown. So, like, what's going through your mind as you see Shep running down the field? Yeah, so we had the look uh, pre-snap, and you know you got a shot at it. And uh, as you see the play developing, Shep got behind the uh, corner there and, and uh, was able to, you know, get behind him, stay on top of him, and um, get behind the defense. So, at that point, you just want to give him a ball you can catch and not, you know, not overthrow it or, or anything like that. But he, he did a good job right there and, and fun to see him get in the end zone, make a big play for us, knowing what he's been through, you know, how hard he worked to get back to where he is and a uh, huge play for us he made there. So you're playing a queen game. You're playing a crisp game. You're putting up points. Then you guys have that opportunity in the fourth quarter. You throw the interception and coach Dayball, we see the cameras, Daniel, you know, I got to ask you the question, dude. He is a little animated there on the sideline. So first with the interception, was that one you threw immediately and said, shit, I want that one back? Or did it kind of like 
materialized and it kind of was one of those things where you didn't almost realize it until after the fact. Yeah, I think I knew pretty quickly after I threw it, 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 uh, it wasn't going to work out. Does that happen often, Daniel? Like when you guys, when you're a quarterback and you throw an interception where like you'll know right away or sometimes it's kind of a surprise? When do you know? Uh, I'd say, you know, it goes both ways. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, trying to throw a, a kind of, you know, back shoulder ball to Saquon there. Um, but DB had good good awareness there, saw, saw me, saw Saquon and, and made a play on it. So not a decision I can make. You know, as we you know get down the red zone, like you said, we got a huge turnover on special teams that put us in a position to get points and can't afford to make that mistake and, and give up. You know, you at least got a field goal there, so you got to take that and, and move on if that's what it is. So um, I think, yeah, that was a communication on the sidelines, and it's an emotional game, but uh, I got that, and, you know, you got to be able to move on and play the next play. Well, Daniel, Giant fans from the glory days of Bill Parcells and Phil Sims, those guys used to yell and scream at each other all the time. Like, it's classic. Like, the videos are everywhere. Bill Parcells yelling at his quarterback, his quarterback giving it to him. So, we love seeing the fire from the head coach. We love seeing the fire out of you. What was that message from Coach Dable when he came over to the sideline? Well, I mean, I think that's his part of the game. You know, I I think uh, he was just communicating the mistake, and and I understood that. And, and, you know, you got to be able to take coaching and understand it and then uh, get back out there and, like I said, play play the next play. So um, it's all part of it. And, and uh, I understood, you know, the cost of mistake. I can't afford to do that and put the team in that situation. We like hearing that, man. That's the sort of accountability that New Yorkers are looking for. That's fantastic. And, dude, give you credit because after that interception, you guys are down in the game. You made a bunch of big plays with your legs, whether it's converting on third down. So for you personally, you throw an interception like that. Is it one where you say, hey, we're getting the ball back. Forget about that. I need to go and get my team in the end zone. Like, how do you, how do you move? Easier said than done. And I know you have a job to do, but, you know, like that's still something that people would be wondering. Is it in the back of your mind when you let go of a pass or whatnot? You did a great job of getting your team into the end zone. How do you move past that interception, Daniel? Well, I mean, I think uh, when you're playing the game and when you're in the heat of the, moment in the heat of the battle you can't really afford to let that affect you know the next play and people say that all the time I think it's critical at you know playing quarterback it's critical in, in all positions in sports but especially quarterback to you know not let that affect how you're going to play the rest of the game so uh, you got to process it understand the mistake but at some point you know flush it and move on and and get back to playing football because if you're constantly thinking about the last play good or bad really you're going to get into trouble and that's going to affect your playmaking, your decision-making down the road. So you got to be able to do that. That's a critical part of, of playing quarterback. Not everything's going to go your way and you're, you're going to make some bad plays. So being able to handle that, to understand that, you know, the games, you know, you're still playing the game. And if you let that affect the next play, then, um, you know, you're putting the team at risk. So you don't really have the luxury to worry about the last play or, or a mistake or good, or good play too. So, that's part of it. Full disclosure, we're watching you guys, and I'm saying to everybody, if they score a touchdown here, I want them to go for two. I want them to go for the win. Did you know, Daniel, the entire time throughout that drive, if we score a touchdown, we're going for a two-point conversion? Or are you finding out right after you score the tying or what we thought was going to be the tying touchdown, all right, this is what it's going to be? 
Uh, I had a I had a pretty good idea we were going for two. I think that's something uh, they've been clear about really since the beginning of training camp. I mean, even since the spring, is he's going to be aggressive in those situations. He's going to trust us to to make plays and to convert those opportunities. And that gives you a lot of confidence as players. You want to be in those moments. You want to be in those pressure situations with the game on the line. So to know the coach is going to you know put you in those opportunities to to uh, to do that and uh, give you a chance to make plays is a good feeling and, and gives us all a lot of confidence. So I think we all had a good idea that was going to happen. I mean, he had said it all week. He'd said it, you know, he said it since he's been here, like I said, that, that he's going to be aggressive. He's going to give us a chance to make plays. So I, I certainly expected it. Oh, it was awesome. Because to me, it's something that you feel has been lacking the last couple of years from your coaches. I know you're not going to say that. I'm going to say that. That's totally okay. That's my place to do so. But that idea of playing to win, Daniel, the giant fan loves it, dude. Like, if I were a player, like, I'm the quarterback of the team, and I get that call, we're going for two, we're on the road, we're playing a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year, let's go, man. Like, did that, like, it's got to fire you guys up, right? Yeah, it did. It did. And and uh, like I said, it gives us a lot of confidence. It, it's exciting to play like that. It's exciting yeah. to get those opportunities to uh, perform in those pressure situations. So, um, yeah, we were fired up. <laughs> Um, as you're watching the field goal, as you're watching Randy Bullock line up, nerves, like, uh, what, what's going through your mind there as the Titans are trying to win the game right then and there? Yeah, definitely a lot of nerves. You know, you're nervous, and, and uh, at that point, you can't do anything about it. You can't control that situation, so you got to just watch and, and uh, hope for the best, and fortunately, we, uh, you know, he missed there, and we came out on top, but Definitely a nervous, nervous situation. You mentioned this to me last week, Saquon Barkley and the way he looked in training camp. Daniel, that's the best he's looked since he's come back off the ACL, man. He was running like an absolute man possessed. The burst, the explosiveness. Um, is this the version of Saquon Barkley you think we're going to see for the remainder of this year? Because if that's the case, dude, your offense is going to take it up a whole other notch, man. That's, the, that's impressive stuff. Yeah, I thought he played great. And, you know, it wasn't surprising to any of us who've seen him during training camp or guys who've seen him uh, working in the offseason and, and how he's prepared for this season. Um, but, yeah, he played he played great. He played big time for us. And um, he was confident and, you know, explosive, like you said, big in the run game, obviously, pass game too. He made some plays. Um, so he was big for us. And, and there's no doubt he's he's a special player. Everyone knows that. So it was fun to see him get out there and, and do his thing. But um, I'm excited for him. I know he's, he's uh, you know, feels good about it, but but is looking forward to, to getting back to work this week. So I'm reading Peter King's column, the uh, MMQB, and he was mentioning the Jeter doc, which we talked about last week. And I guess he had to sit down, Daniel, with Coach Dable, and they were mentioning the idea of the uh, David Wells-Jeter interaction when basically David Wells threw his hands up in the air and Jeter basically pulled him aside and said, we don't do that shit around here. What went through the message from Coach Dable showing you guys the Jeter doc and going through that little like bit regarding Wells and Jeter? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think it was just a message on staying together as a team. Um, you know, there's going to be points in the game where, uh, you know, offensively, defensively, special teams, things aren't going you know, one unit's way and, and it's about sticking together as a team and having each other's back. So he showed the clip as uh, kind of Jeter setting the tone for the culture of the team for 
that leadership and, and, you know, how important that was to the Yankees, how important that was to Jeter that they stick together as a team and they're always having each other's backs and kind of taking that into football and, and applying that to what we do and applying that to the culture he wants to build here uh, with this team and, and how important that, um, you know, just having each other's back and, and supporting each other through it all um, and how important that is to, to having a good team. So I thought it was good. And, you know, using the Yankees documentary, using Jeter's documentary there, um, you know, hits a little closer to home here in New York. So I think guys, uh, yeah, took the message and, and uh, yeah, took it well. Week two, home opener, Carolina Panthers. You know you're going to have a rowdy crowd, dude. They're fired up. The Giant fan is a – I have a lot of them in my life, Daniel. They are stoked after this win, dude. And they're going to be out in that parking lot from 8 o'clock on. And you now get an opportunity to be 1-0. We talked about that fast start. You know, the Giants, they hadn't won a home opener or an opener, quite frankly, since 2016. The idea of getting in front of the home crowd, rocking, rolling Sunday at one o'clock, giving you a little extra butterflies. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get in front of the home crowd. Um, like you said, home opener and and uh, to go at it one and zero is a, is a good feeling. So I know they'll be fired up. We're fired up to to get there. And, and Coach Dayball's you know preach winning at home and defending you know your home field and and how important that is to having a good team. So we're fired up to do that. We're fired up to get out there and. Um, you know, big win for us Sunday, but, you know, we've already put that behind us and we're, we're on to Carolina and, and preparing for the Panthers. So we're excited to get out there. You mentioned the idea of, all right, we're moving on to next week. When do you officially like close the book on a Sunday or a Saturday win from back when you were in college? Is it 24 hours? Is it a, you know, maybe a victory cocktail or something on the plane home, or maybe it's a meal? Like, like how does Daniel Jones celebrate a big win and when does that like period come to a close for you normally after uh you know we come in monday watch the film correct everything and and get it all ironed out so you've got to kind of relive it through that and and uh like i said make the corrections uh clean it up and, and move on but i'd say somewhere you know monday you finish it up and you're you're on to carolina um in terms of a ritual or a, a meal i normally you know, I try to eat pretty clean most of the time. I'll go for some for some Hoboken pizza post game, and there you go, uh, there you go. You know, That's what's up. Celebrate a nice win. Um, but we're moving on, moving on pretty quickly. It's normally about twenty four hours, and then we're on, we're on to the next week. What's the uh, the Hoboken pizza choice? Is, is there one? My sister lives there. I'm a, I'm a Brooklyn guy, Daniel. So next time I'm in Hoboken, where's the spot? Uh, Ten Streets. Ten Streets pretty good. Ten Street Pizza. Uh, spot called Apulia, Napoli's. There's a few I, I kind of rotate through, but but there's some good pizza around there. I'm gonna have you as a foodie by the end of the year, dude. I'm gonna be getting like the the run through of the Daniel Jones Hoboken menu. So when I go there, I know exactly where I'm eating. So for you, um, warming up before a game, are you a music guy or are you like in the zone? I don't want to hear anything. Like you see guys like they got the headphones on and whatnot. Like are you? Does that get you going? Like a couple hours before a game? Uh, I'm not a huge music guy before the game. You know, I'll listen to a little music maybe on the bus over or uh, riding over to the stadium. But once I get to the stadium, I'm warming up or, or doing something, not listening to a ton of music. But if I'm listening to music, it's normally not your, you know, hype, uh, headbanging, whatever that is. Normally more kind of focused stuff, just music I, I enjoy and, and stuff I like to kind of get me 
you're more of a you're more of a chill guy with it. So what's what's the music genre of choice? You a country guy? Yeah, I, I switch it up a little bit. I like uh, Kings of Leon a lot. They're okay. kind of my go-to. Um, listened to a lot of Zach Bryan recently. Uh, I promised you I won't sing you somebody. You don't want to hear that, man. I might have broke that out a few times in the karaoke. It, it doesn't w- end well for anybody. That's all I'm going to say. It's usually about 10 modelos deep is when I'm breaking out the Kings of Leon, dude. That Mr. Brightside, you know? There you go. Mr. Brightside, that's a good oh, that's a classic, right man. That's a classic. That's what I need when I'm, like, getting hype on the golf course. See, I'm a guy. I'm the one annoying everybody, Daniel, on the golf course. I'm, like, Dangerfield and Caddyshack with the music. I'm dancing. I, if I'm playing well. If I'm not playing well, it's a whole lot of F-bombs, dude. That's what you're going to get. whole lot of F-bombs. Biggest key if you guys are going to beat Carolina this week. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of the same things. It's about taking care of the football, um, making sure we're executing our opportunities to score in the red zone, and then we're good on third down. I think that's something, you know, certainly we want to improve going into this week, and uh, we'll look to do that. But Carolina's a good defense. They got a lot of talented players. They're a fast defense. So uh, we'll study them this week and have a good plan and get ready to go. But, you know, it's, it comes down to the fundamental things of taking care of the ball, scoring in the red zone, executing situational plays, especially on third down. Final one. I know you mentioned a little House of Dragon last week and some peaky blinders. Can I get you? And I know you got, you got some important things you got to focus on. Carolina you know, playing well for the Giants, being the quarterback of the team. But when we get our next bin show, can I convince you to get involved with Cobra Kai or is that going to be a hard pass? Cobra Kai? I don't know too much about Cobra did Kai. Did you see, Ed- all right, so did you see the original Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio? Uh, a long time ago. I can't. We got to get you, we got to get you on that, bro. We got to get, that's like, maybe that's because I'm a nut job and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a lunatic. That's like my hype stuff, dude. I feel like if, Coach Dayball's looking for, like, motivation, man. He may have to throw Karate Kid, a little montage on for you guys. Karate Kid, Cobra Kai, I'll look into it a little bit. Eli used to always be on me. I'm not a big movie guy, and, you know, he is. So I got to I gotta sharpen up my movies, especially the older ones like that. But, uh, yeah, I'll throw that in the throw that on the list of things to watch. When are we getting you on a Manning cast, by the way? I guess throw four touchdowns and play like Saquon last week, and maybe we'll see you on Manning cast. I need a... I need a little Eli Daniel Jones. Like, it, it basically would be like stepbrothers, though, dude. That's the thing. You guys are like inseparable, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. But yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I have a big game to make it on. I thought Saquon did a good job last night. Uh, it was fun to, fun to watch him on there. He killed it. And listen, you guys killed it last week. I hope we have a very pleasant conversation next week. Keep up the good work, man. Let's get to 2 and 0 oh and uh, keep on keeping on. All right, DJ? Sounds good. Appreciate it, JJ. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. 
Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Wow. This is a star-studded New York, New York. We go from the quarterback of the New York football giants to the former coach of the New York Jets. For what it's worth, I think a whole lot of Jet fans still wish he was on the sidelines. Now you see him on ESPN. He's got the amazing race and he's doing some stuff for Dr. Scholes. Rex Ryan, what's up, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. And it's funny because you had Daniel Jones on. Well, that's they, they say he's my son because when the Giants came out, everybody said, well, they're going to take, you know, Haskins. They're going to do whatever. I was on record as saying that the guy I would take is Daniel Jones. I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft. I was all over him, right? Like praising this guy. And then when they take him, I've, I've stayed the course with him. But it is funny because everybody calls him my son because because I think the kid's got a chance to be good. And well, the, the, the great thing is now we have a coach with the Giants that's going to take what he does and use his athleticism, use his ability. And I think we're going to find out the, the real Daniel Jones. I think that's a great point, coach. And you know this as a guy who came into New York, you took New York by storm. Brian Dable, his own person, obviously, but you see him going for two. Coach, I love that on Sunday. He said, the hell with the tie. We're playing the team that was the number one seed in the AFC. We're rolling it out there right here, right now. We're going for two. New Yorkers love that sort of stuff. Brian Dable, as a first-time New York head coach, what would be the advice you'd give to him? No, and and I know Brian well, and, and to me, I knew he'd be a great fit here. And I think what that game showed me that it's kind of cool to be a New York Giant fan now. You know what I mean? Like before, the dark days are are done with. No more Gettleman, no more Joe Judge. That was a, an absolute disaster. Coach, like, did you see him like on the side? Did you but see him on the sideline in Miami? He's going up against the he's with the Patriots, going against the Dolphins. He's wearing a sweatshirt. Coach, it's like a thousand degrees down there. Come on, bro. Yes, I, I can't do it because I used to wear the sweater vest. You know what I mean? Now nah, you want to show you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But that was my little trademark thing. But but he was kind of hard to like, man. And now Dayball's the exact opposite of it. He's exactly, man, he's energized that locker room. And and just the way he has look, Saquon Barkley. That looked like the dude I thought when, when they were drafting him. Like he reminded me of Gail Sayers when he came back. And and man, he I mean, he clearly was inspired. And, and I just think that this football team is going to be fun to watch. I, I really do. You mentioned the dark days. Your former franchise right now is in the middle of the dark days. They have not seen the playoffs since you were on the sideline and beating the New England Patriots. That was over a decade ago, coach, which is hard to believe. And then you have Coach Sala, after getting smoked by the Baltimore Ravens, making a statement to the media saying, we're saving receipts as far as folks like myself who are critical of the team and taking shots at what they've seen over the first year plus. Um, what was your stance? What was your take when you heard that message and that comment from Coach? 
I, I think I kind of look at it different. I, I think it's a good thing. And here's why. I think he showed every, like, th- this, look, this fan base uh, isn't for everybody, man. It eats up people and it spits them out, all right? <clears throat> but I think what Saul is saying is, look, I know that we have a, a, a plan in place, man. I know what it looks like. And we're taking those steps to get there. And I think he knows it's coming. It's around the corner. It ain't here. It wasn't there week, week one. Look, Baltimore's a tough-ass team to play week one. All right, I had a 6-2 and two record in my openers as a head coach. I lost two games to the damn Ravens. So it wasn't an easy opponent. I thought their defense was so much better on Sunday than at any point last year. So that was a positive. I think the fact that you have playmakers on this team now, like I love the Wilson kid they drafted in the first round, the receiver at Ohio State, um, Elijah Moore. Like they, they got some some fun guys, man. And then they got two really good backs. It's like, hey, it never happened week one, but it's going to happen. And I think by him saying, look, we're, we're taking receipts or whatever, like number one, I never would have said it because uh, he's a little more articulate than I am. But it's, uh, I can tell you this. I ripped this dude unmercifully last year. And I felt bad about it because once a jet, always a jet. And I kind of reached out to him. I talked to him for about an hour that night. I was like, man, this dude's got a plan. Like, and I got behind the plan. Like, I, I, I see it. And now I see it in, you know, the way they draft the players, all that Joe Douglas and him are tied together. And I think it's great. I truly believe in a couple of years, this team is going to be right in the mix. I absolutely believe it. Like Jet fans, look, this is one of the most loyal fan bases in the history, man. Like they love their New York Jets. Hang with this football team. I'm telling you, hang with this team. I believe it, man. But I'm saying believe this, believe in this thing. And yeah, we're a little pissed, you know, but let's say, hey, look, you know what's great? We're all bragging about the Giants beating you know, the Titans, when they were the best team in the AFC last year, number one seed. Well, do we not forget the Jets actually beat them last year? Same deal. Kicker kicked it wide left, whatever. Jets won. Like, we kind of forget that. So just uh, just hang tight. And, man, good times are coming. We'll see. Look, we got an old quarterback right now who ain't anywhere close to what he once was, Joe Flacco. I love Joe. But he ain't the same, he ain't the same guy he once was. But we got this one young kid that we're trying to develop. And I think that's the important thing with this year. Get back to man. I mean, have a dominant defense, run the football, and let's develop this young quarterback. I think he's it's probably the most skillful quarterback that this franchise has had since Joe Namath. So give this guy a chance to come back in as a young guy and grow, and let's see what we got. You think, Coach, players will hear that comment from Robert Sala? You were very entertaining for years in the way you would handle the media and some of the things that you would say, uh, I'm not here to kiss Bill Belichick's rings, then you play him in week two, then you go and beat him. Is that the sort of thing that you think maybe can be a rallying cry for that jet locker room moving forward? Well, I don't know if it'll be a rallying cry, but they're going to know where he's coming from. Like, he's got the guts to sit back and say, my God, I know we're, we're doing things the right way, and I'm going to lay it out there. And, I'm, and he knows he's going to get killed if it doesn't work. But he's got the, at least the guts to go out there and say, no, man, 
like I believe in what the hell we're doing and and we're taking receipts and whatever. That's great. And I think you want to see your coach do that. You want your coach to take it off his players and put it on himself. Well, that's exactly what Salah's done. So I'm kind of pumped by what he did. He And that's more of a me thing. Like, I would have done some crap like that. But I think it'll work for this team. What you think yesterday of your former quarterback, Geno Smith, who's been waiting a long time to get a chance to play? Rex, that was the best I saw Geno going back to your last game with the Jets when he had that perfect quarterback rating against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that was as good as it gets with Geno in a Jet uniform. He was pretty damn good last night. Oh, my God. He was great. I And you're right, because the first thing I, I thought of is, man, that reminded me of that game against Miami. I mean, like you say, he had a perfect quarterback rating. No, a perfect quarterback rating. So, Geno Smith always had the ability. Now, and, and was it you know, did I rush him in? I probably had to because I got Sanchez hurt. Probably not a brilliant coaching move, but I played him immediately. He won eight games as a rookie. You know how hard it is to win eight games as a rookie? Josh Allen never did it. All right. Patrick Holmes never played as a rookie. All right. All these guys, uh, Joe Burrow won like three games as a rookie. Like, it's hard. This man won eight games as a rookie. Now, it went downhill, but it wasn't because of Geno. It was because of the rest of the team. I mean, it was brutal. We, Our, our team, we, we weren't favored in a game in two years that year. It was the Idzik disaster. Exactly, Rex. I mean, that was as bad a roster as you could have, bro, 13 and 14. And look, I've had my things with Geno. You know, I called him he had a marshmallow chin. His, his chin's still a little soft. But you know what? I like Geno Smith, and I think he has the talent to do it. I think it's great. He spent eight years learning under Eli Manning, under, under Russell Wilson. And now it's his time, man. I hope he runs with it. When he started that game, though, what he had one incompletion in the first half, he was on fire. Now it kind of settled down a little bit. Uh, but, man, he, he came out on fire. And and I can't wait. He's got some weapons, too. DK Metcalf, you know, Tyler Lockett out there, man. Uh, no offense, a decent tight end. I I mean, I hope, the, I hope for the best for him because the expectations are so low for that football team that they could surprise. You had a quarterback of Mark Sanchez. You took the back-to-back AFC title games. You beat the Patriots and Brady. You beat Peyton Manning and the Colts. You beat Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Coach, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. They're in a weird spot because they're talented. But the question is, can you win with Tua? I ask you, can the Miami Dolphins win and be a playoff caliber team that's maybe playing second or third weekend like your teams. Can they do it with Tua? I, I mean, we'll see. I, I think so. Like, why not? We did it with Mark Sanchez. Why not? This guy is accurate. As, uh, he's an accurate guy. He doesn't have the mobility he once had. But you know what? The bigger the game, the better he plays. So to me, look, this is a kid that came in as a freshman when they couldn't do anything against Georgia, let him do a, a, a national championship by playing great. He beat out the two-time Southeast Conference Player of the Year in Jalen Hurts. Like, this kid's got something to him. He also has Tyreek Hill and Jay, and, and Waddle. Like, holy shit. Oh, my God. So they are loaded, and they have a damn good defense. So, <clears throat> look, they, they why wouldn't you think they can go to the playoffs? Why wouldn't you think you can lead this team to the playoffs? They just beat the hell out of New England. Like, beat the, beat the dog breaks in on New England. So, I, I think it's, you know, the team's got a chance. I, I would not be shocked if he gets that team to the playoffs. 
you think about your tenure as Jet head coach, there were a whole lot of highs, man. Uh, back-to-back AFC title games, going into New England and beating Belichick. When you think back on it, coach, is that the highlight, that divisional round game? After you guys lose the Monday night game, you got to sit on that. I remember you buried the football, the whole, the whole spiel. You guys have to beat Peyton Manning, went into that building, won outright. I mean, that's got to be the highlight of your Jet tenure. It's got to be, right, coach? So I don't think there's any doubt. And, and the fact that you're right, you brought up that Monday night game when we got killed, the Monday night massacre, 45-3. to People forget we beat them week two that year. And then we go in there and everybody, all the media was wanting to talk, and rightfully so, that we were getting killed. You know, we got killed six weeks earlier. But I, I did. I told my team after we buried that football that we're going to play that team again in six weeks and we're going to beat the hell out of them. And I went in, I thought it, I believed it. And we go in, I'm like, how can I deflect the attention from them bringing up 45 to three, which is so, so negative to something else. And that's when I challenged Bill Belichick. I said, the game's going to come down to me against him. And I'm like, and all, all the questions about my team is like, your coach is crazy. I wanted all my players knew one thing that I believed it. I 100% believed it. And then when we went out and we did it, I said, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with my players. And that's exactly what I told the owner was going to happen as well. Cause they, Woody thought I was crazy too, but I'm like, cause if we, if we would have gotten beat, I would have been, been crucified in the media and everything else. That's fine. I believe we were going to win. And we went out and did it. And yes, that was the highlight. And unfortunately, I think the 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 strike was the low light for me. When I, we went on strike, we never managed that situation very well, and uh, and it ended up hurting us. Two thousand nine team, two thousand ten team. Which one was better? Oh my gosh, uh, probably the two thousand ten team. Because of Santonio. We had Santonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards and Jericho Cotri. So we had three really good receivers. We had a good tight end. And, and our defense, we still have Rebus. So, yeah, we, I would say the, the 2010 team. Coach, tell us what you got cooking with Dr. Scholes. How apropos, by the way, you of all people getting partnered up with Dr. Scholes? I mean, what else is though? Well, you know, when Dr. Scholes was looking for a sponsor, you know, this is the number one. Dr. Scholes the, the best of the best, man, when it comes to foot care. And so who are they going to get? They're going to get an expert, right? They're going to get an expert. So I'm an expert in two things, football and feet. And when they called at first, I thought they were just busting my stones. And it's like, no, we want you to do it because look, you, you know, we want these, these products in locker rooms and trying to prevent athletes foot and all that type of stuff. So we want, you know, our, you know, our people to have like the ultimate athlete's foot without suffering from athlete's foot. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, that's what they wanted their athletes to do. So I kind of got the, the messaging and, and then I'm like, well, send me some product. And I'm like, I tried it. I'm like, and this, this thing is like legit. And so, you know, I used the spray or whatever. And I'm like, man, I, this is too easy. And so I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. Of course I got clearance from my wife. And then I said, all right. Oh, I was going to say that had to be the case. Had to be. But, uh, but you know what? Look, I own it, man. I've, you know, I've been married for, 35 years and, and my wife is, is gorgeous and she's got gorgeous feet. And I don't care if people know that I, I love her feet. Oh, well, so what? And, uh, but that's, that's kind of, it. it's, it's a fun thing, but at the, at the same time, it, it's something that, that we need. And, and cause 
guys, athletes foot so prevalent in locker rooms and, and we got a way of fixing it. Dr. Uh, you know, Dr. Scholes is uh, like this product is, is actually, I mean, it's, it's clinically proven. So it's not like you're going to take it from Rex Ryan. No, this is clinically proven, you know, to, to work and, and, uh, to cool and, and everything else. And, and anybody that's had athlete's foot knows that it's, it's awful. So this is a product that, that works 100% works and it can also prevent. So if you have it, it, it'll, it'll take care of it and it can also prevent uh, athlete's foot. So yeah, let's go for it, man. When they said it, like I say, I was like, really you want, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So, you know, Hey, I'll face it. I'm, I'm that guy. And, the thing I think is funny. So I coached 30 years, eight years as a head coach. But publicly, I've kind of known sometimes and like, oh, that's that crazy guy that, that has the foot fetish, that coach. I'm like, yep, that's me, the crazy foot fetish guy, you know, who's a coach or whatever. But uh, so so be it. You know, that's my deal and, and I'll own it. That's why New Yorkers love you, dude. That's why New Yorkers love you. You own it. You owned it when you were a head coach. You're on it now with Dr. Shells. We appreciate a couple of minutes. And a final one, amazing race, pretty damn cool. Sunday NFL countdown, pretty damn cool. You're great on TV because you're funny and you have something to say. And we need people on TV, Rex, who have something to say. But I got to ask it, are Rex Ryan's coaching days done? Or if the right job came your way, you'd coach again? Look, if, if an NFL franchise called and said, Rex, we want you to be the head coach, I'd be like, hey, uh, ESPN, I love you, but I'm going to miss you. So I would, I jump at that opportunity again. That's, but, but to be a coordinator, I'd really have to think. I mean, I've had opportunities to go back as a coordinator. I'm like, nah, it'd have to be a hell of a situation. They'd have to pay me a ton of money because the gig I got right now, it's hard to beat, man. Dude, I get it, man, and you're perfect for it. What about college, Rex? I feel like if I had a high school kid and you came in. And you got a, I feel like you'd be a rock star in college. What about college? Well, what's funny is um, one of my, one of my best friends is, is Sam Pittman. It happens to be the head coach at Arkansas. And Sam and I would recruit together. And two things we knew, because Sam's built like me and everything else. They were going to run out of food. All right, three things we knew. They were going to run out of food. Somebody was going to commit to coming to play for us. All right. We did sign one year. We signed 10, 10 guys that later played in the NFL in one recruiting class, uh, Sam and I together. And uh, afterwards, we were going to go drink some beer. So that was what we knew was going to happen, and and we did. But I love seeing the success that Sam's had. Uh, you know, if I ever went in there, you know, we, we there's no way. I, the way offenses are right here, I'd beat the hell out of every, all these teams. So <laughs> it's probably they don't want me to coach college football, man. So I'll stay away. I'll, I'll do my ESPN gig. You know, I don't want to hurt all these kids playing quarterback. Rex, you are the best, man. You are the best. We miss you in New York City. You're a riot. Continued success. And uh, when my feet are all beat up after my runs and I'm scratching that athlete's footage, I'll be thinking of you, okay? Dude, spray that stuff in there. And even the wipes, man. The wipes, I'm like, man, why do we have wipes? Oh, yeah? Use those wipes, man. They, they work out great. But, man, trust me, use it. Take care of them. Rex, good stuff, man. Thanks for a few minutes, all right? All right, my pleasure. Wow, what a loaded show. What a loaded show. We'll have a Spotify Live tonight. Yankees, Red Sox. Let's hope Garrett Cole, for my sake, goes and does a terrific, terrific job. We'll have a same-game parlay for the Yankees, Red Sox tomorrow night. 
We're back with our Football Friday pod Thursday night. All that good stuff. Good work by Stefan. JJ out. Enjoy your Tuesday. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com.